It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to our Chiefs game preview edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Big show coming your way today. Adoree Jackson joins me first to preview the Chiefs, but more importantly, talk about the Giants defense and himself. It's, it's a good interview, not just game preview stuff, but a lot of the good stuff in there as well. Then you have Adam Teicher joining Lance Meadow and Paul Dettino. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN. And then we have Joe Judge joining the voice of the Giants, Bob Papa. But first, the Giants Little Podcast can be found on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star positive review. If you know friends that are Giant fans, tell them about the podcast. We'd love to have you on board. All right, let's go to our first guest. Dory Jackson joined me to talk about Giants Chiefs and how he's improved in the defense so far this year and what the defense did so right against Carolina last week. Dory, thanks so much for being with us, man. No, I appreciate you guys having me. All right, I want to look back to last week very quickly. When you guys sat down, looked at the tape against Carolina, what are some of the things you think you did better in that game than you did maybe a couple of the previous ones that ended up in better results? I think just having a, uh, a lot of fun out there and cheering each other on and letting that feel when somebody made a play, the next person wanted to make a play. So I think building off that and just trying to be consistent and understanding that, I mean, throughout the course of the game, maybe ups and downs, uh, maybe three and outs, maybe short uh, field changes. And uh, just think about it's another opportunity to play, get better and to perform and, you know, try to display yourself and who you want to be. So I think that's what we did better last week. One thing Coach Judge talked about and also Patrick Graham last week, how you guys worked a lot on some of the more fundamental parts of coverage in practice and in zone in terms of getting the right depth, eyes on the quarterback, breaking on the ball once it's on the air. And you guys played almost exclusively zone against Carolina. You had some man in there, but it was a lot of zone. How do you think that manifested itself in terms of how you executed that zone defense on game day? Think about communication and uh, everybody coming together and trying to be on the same page. Uh, not just having 10 people or eight people on the same page, you need all 11. And then everybody just doing their job and understanding that the, the guy next to him or their brother would do their job. So I think that helped out a lot um, just by communicating and understanding, all right, this is what we're seeing. How do you see it? And then if we can have a, a conversation about that and understand, all right, well, they're seeing it like this. Well, oh, this is a troublesome for you. This might be better if I help you do this. So uh, just trying to be there for each other, help each other out. All right, so let's now talk about this week. Unfortunately, you lost one of your leaders, Jabril Peppers, in that game with the knee injury. I know you have other leaders in your group. You know, Logan Ryan's a great leader. But, you know, since I've been here, Jabril's always had just that effervescent energy where you feel him when he walks in a room, right? So how are you guys going to move forward now without him being there with you on the practice field and, of course, in your meeting rooms during the week? Uh, I think just try to be there for him. I understand that, you know, him doing all that he's done, not just for the position group or the defense, but as the team in general, um, just try to be there for him and, and play for him. You know, same way we try to do for Blake or, or Rodarius, the guys on the defensive end, you know, that we, you know, appreciate a lot. So um, I think, you know, from that aspect, just try to make him proud or make them proud is an example of all the guys that are hurt on defense, you know, um, just try to make them proud and be like, oh, man, they're happy and to see us succeed because at the end of the day, I mean, they're still a part of this team and they're still a part of us, and I feel like that's how we're going to have to go about it. Is this when a guy like Julian Love, you know, 
you really appreciate having a Swiss Army knife like that in the team where he can do a little bit, all the types of things that, that Pep can do on the field. Obviously, different player, but Love can step in and do those same sorts of things that he can just be there waiting, and now the opportunity is there for him. No, you appreciate that a lot. I mean, some people might take it for granted or say, oh, you need to learn how to just do one thing or do this, but having somebody that can do uh, multiple uh, things and, and do them well um, is good to have because you never know the situation or may, where it may be or even if you're in that situation he's able to give you insight of oh man when I play this is what I see this is what I do so I think having somebody that is able to be a Swiss Army knife and do different things is is great for not just the team but for you as a player in general because he can help you out you know we talked this offseason when you got here how Patrick Graham has not made a mystery of it his scheme week to week can change a lot it can be a little complicated how in it are you right now are you now fully instinct you totally get everything it's ingrained in you and now you're just reacting where are you in terms of being just in this system uh, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously you got to go out there and react and have instinct, but at the same time take the it's and bits that the coaches are giving you because um, everything is evolving, everything is changing. It's just like you're playing a game. You might see something in the first quarter. Second quarter you might get the same look, and then by the time halftime comes it's something different. So sure. now it's like, okay, I got to adjust, and I feel like that's just about – the weeks um, as you're going about defense and the schemes and everything, it's just about adjusting and, and having that immensely prepared. And I think that's why, uh, you know, PG trusts us to do that. And, and we just try to go out there and execute. Are you enjoying playing the system? Is it fun for you? You like it? Nah, you're smiling. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, like you yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, I have fun and enjoy it, man. Great coming in the building. Uh, you know, happy, you know, seeing everybody, being able to talk to them, not just the players, but the coaches as well. And just building that bond uh, with them and just trying to keep improving and get better and understanding that, um, we're just trying to showcase and be the best that we can be and each week just get better and try to be one and all. Now, you've been asked to move inside a little bit too. What has that experience been like? Uh, it was cool. Uh, I, I would say I, it was um, a challenge, but it was fun at the same time because um, we talk about, well, culture is funny because I always talk about getting out of my comfort zone and I feel like it helped me, you know, as a, as a player. And uh, Coach Byrne's birthday was the other day and he talked about getting out of your comfort zone and just me coming here, was getting out of my comfort zone, doing different things on uh, whatever the team asked me to do, go out there and play some special teams, uh, maybe go out there for the corner when it's punt return and trying to block. Uh, so I was just trying to get out of my comfort zone. So being able to play on the inside and, and do different things just helped me as a player and helped me understand, you know, the game a little bit more and get different aspects because Logue used to play on the inside. Sure. And, you know, you got Pep, you got Darnay, you got Jay Love. Zay can go in there That's too, what I'm right? saying. Yeah. So you got all these guys who've been in the inside, playing the inside. So every time I'm asking or have questions, they say, oh, they see me do something. Why'd you do it like this? Or they do something. Why'd you play like that? So I feel like it's just great to be able to talk and communicate amongst each other. Awesome. What was the most challenging part going inside? Is it the two-way go without the sideline there? Is it having to be a little bit more physical in the run support, being in the slot? What was the biggest challenge for you going in there? Uh, I think the biggest challenge, I think understanding the different splits and the landmarks and different things in that nature. And I feel like Darnay uh, Holmes helped me out a lot with that. You know, And when you say that, when you say different splits, that can sometimes telegraph the type of route they're going to run, right? So, yeah, so certain splits you can indicate they might – it could be this route, but you, you just anticipate, you don't right. guess. And so you just go mm -hmm. out there and, and play. So And just having that awareness and understanding of, okay, if he does this, then, or if he does this, then, it may lead to this. And, um, you know, and I would say Darnay helped me out with that a lot. And then talking with Shep and, and Pettis and, you know, having to go against these receivers and understand, like, okay, like, why do you do like this? Or why are you playing like this? And what makes you do this if I'm doing this? And I feel like, I mean, that's just a – 
the great thing about football, just being able to go against somebody and them help you out and you help them out and then just keep building and keep getting better. So I think yeah, I wouldn't say – I mean, it was a challenge, but it was, it was one that I wanted to accept and have fun with. All right, one of the reasons I wanted John here, Dory, besides talking about all this great stuff with you and the Giants, was that besides you and Logan are probably the two preeminent Chiefs experts on this defense. <laughs> you guys have a lot of experience playing them. I think I went back three games, two in the postseason. Does that right. sound right to you? Correct. So talk, talk to me. What is it like going against Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, yeah. Travis Kelsey, and all the other real dangerous monsters they have in that offense? Um, it's, uh, I would say, a pleasure. Uh, because you don't understand the opportunity that presents itself. You don't understand the magnitude of the people you're going against and to be able to, you know, play and then compete. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's just all about competing. So the first time we played them, 17, um, came back 19, played them twice. Um, and I feel like it's just always something new, something different. But at the end of the day, it's still a game within the game. And you're just going out there and competing, trying to have fun and, and, and trying to win your matchups, you know, every rep. You know, understanding, like I said, it's going to be ups and downs throughout the game, but try to win more than you lose. And, um, yeah, it's just it's a pleasure and it's fun, you know, to go against a high-powered offense, against talented receivers, tight ends, running backs, <laughs> quarterback, you know what I'm saying? So it's just – it's it's – it's a pleasure, you know, to be able to go against a high-powered offense like that. Now, I know you guys don't pay attention to the outside noise, and you're smart not to do it, but the big theme on TV this week has been, what's wrong with the Chiefs? Like, what's the problem with the Chiefs? What's going on? As a guy that watches the tape, you know what peak Chiefs looks like. You know what the Chiefs this year looks like. Is there anything even wrong with the Chiefs, or is just that a couple plays here and there aren't going their way? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs are the Chiefs. You know, one play may go their way, and then next thing you know, they, they're up by 40 points. I mean, as you see, it's one of those offenses where it, they talk about turn the switch on or whatever it may be. It's just may, some plays may didn't go their way, and the other teams may capitalize. But when the plays do go their way, I mean, you see it's a different result. So um, I don't think anything is wrong with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs and can get after you. No, nah, I'm with you, man. Uh, a couple more things. Their speed. Mm-hmm. How does that stress specifically a secondary when you got two guys in Hill and Hardman who are four three guys can run past anyone? Right. How does that affect how you guys have to approach what they do? Um, just being you know technical sound, uh, fundamental sound, and knowing where your landmarks are and where your help is. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like that's the the biggest thing, knowing where your help is and knowing the stress of what you're doing. So if you're out there, understanding the right like, leverage off of that exactly. Too, right? yeah. So whatever. The call may be understanding, okay, well, I, this is going to be the route that's toughest on me. So try to take a right out route and then play everything else. Um, so I, I think – and I think film study. Um, just going out there, putting the reps in, getting comfortable and understanding once you you put in the work and you got the, the work is already put in, there's no need to, you know, be stressed, um, to have any fear, have any doubt because you put all the work in and – now it's just game day, and you put all that stress and that fear or whatever it may be that you may have during the week of practice and trying to stress yourself, like, okay, I need to do this, I need to get like this. And then when game times come, just go out there and strap it up and play. And what makes them dangerous to me when I watch them, you know, you have the speed of wide receiver, then you have Kelsey, right. and they almost operate on two different levels of the defense, right? So if you worry about the deep stuff, then what, Kelsey's going to kill you in that intermediate range, right? right. So how do you, is there a way to cover both those at the same time, or do you at some point kind of have to pick your poison a little bit? Oh, uh, I think it's a little bit about picking your poison and just being on top of your game. I think of it like playing like a Kevin Durant basketball. It's like, all right, you know, he might go for, he can shoot you for 60, 
70 points. But at the end of the day, you're trying to minimize his scoring as much as possible and do whatever you can. You know, that's a high part offense. In you, order to score that many, make him take 50 shots, right? Yeah, yeah. Just gotta, <laughs> you just got to keep going back to the drawing board and trying to stop him, man. I feel like, you know, with that with that offense, as high power they are, it's like, all right, you know they're going to make plays. You understand that. But don't beat yourself up. Don't get too hard on yourself. Just get back to the next play and just try to make them earn it. And um, I feel like, I mean, that's how you have to try to go about the game, understanding that. They're going to make their plays. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get a first down. They're going to convert this. They're going to convert that. But you got to go out there and strap it up next play and keep competing. And they make a lot of their big plays with off-schedule stuff, right? Mahomes scrambles. You know, that first initial route's like nothing for them. It's like the second and third play after the first route tree that they're going to get you on, right? Right. So are you just telling – are you guys all telling yourselves in that defensive huddle before you get on the field – cover the extra three seconds, cover the extra right. four seconds because that's when they're going to get you, right? Yeah, you just work on plastering because, you know, once he gets out of the pocket or even if he's not out of the pocket, he might just do that little side that little side uh, gallop that he does or he may do that <laughs> backpedal and sling the ball up. Um, you just got to be on your man and, and, and plaster because when you don't or you see, you know, the film, I'm like, like you said, they say what's wrong with the Chiefs. When you look at the film – Somebody don't plaster their man. That's a, a catch that he may go for like 10. They may take it off for 40 yards. You're so, rolling right across his body, left 40 yards. That's exactly. crazy stuff. Yeah, he does what I try to do on Madden, man. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Turnovers, that's been a big problem for them this year. Turnovers fascinate me because I think a lot of them, a lot of it's luck, right? The ball gets knocked in the air and you can get it. You know, other times he forces things that aren't there. But as a defense, is there something you guys can do well to help force those types of plays that you can turn into takeaways? Um, I think what we can do are when the opportunities present themselves, um, just take advantage of them. Mm. Um, you know, that's what good football teams do. You know, they take advantage of, of other people's, you know, mistakes or, or bad football. Um, and I learned that in the past. So Is that something that drove you guys nuts over in the year? Because you're, the whole defense had opportunities yeah. on plays like that and you just, for whatever reason, weren't making them. Yeah, just got to capitalize on understanding that, man, they don't, they don't come often. Yeah. And so when they do come, some of them are gifts, like, oh, man, I can't believe it. And uh, you just have to capitalize on it. I think that's one of the things. You don't want to force or, or stress anything, but just be, like, uh, sound, uh, fundamentally sound, playing your uh, position, doing your job, and understanding if that play comes your way or you see the look, man, just make the play, and that comes your way. Final question. Give the fans just a glimpse as a player what it's going to be like in that atmosphere, in that stadium, against that team on a Monday night. Right. It's going to be cold weather. What is it like playing in that environment for a player? Oh, man, it's exciting. Last time I was there for a, a night game um, was 2017. We played them in the, the playoffs. I think it was a wild card game. Yep. Saturday um, night, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was off the chain. I would say it's, it's a great experience. Um, it's a great time. Um, it's going to be fun, um, exciting. And, um, man, if you're going to be there <laughs> – Put some warm clothes on because you're going to be sitting in the cold. And some blue clothes too, right? Yeah, put that blue on. Yeah, yeah. Put, just put that Giants on. Hey, Giant fans travel well. Adoree, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Best of luck on Monday night. Appreciate you. Take care. That's Giants quarterback Adoree Jackson. Don't miss out on the return to New York Giants football. The 2021 season is now underway, but there is still time to secure your season tickets and root on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Now we're joined by Adam Teicher. He had a chance to talk to Paul Dettino and Lance Meadow. He covers the Chiefs for ESPN. After two straight home games, the Giants head back on the road for a Monday night showdown with the Chiefs. 
And to get more into Kansas City and what to expect out of Andy Reid and company in Week 8, we are now joined by Adam Teicher, ESPN NFL Nation reporter for the Chiefs. Adam, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here. Greatly appreciate the time today. How's everything on your end? Good. How are you guys doing today? We're doing very well and looking forward to this Monday night game. And I never thought that we'd start off this conversation, Adam, entering week eight, talking about the Chiefs at three and four, considering how well they've been playing over the last few years. But you look at the numbers, my goodness, they lead the NFL with 17 takeaways, tied for the worst turnover differential in the NFL at minus 10. They're moving the football. The offensive numbers show it, Adam. The eye test shows it. I don't need to convince you. So how much are the turnovers the main reason behind why that's not matching the point total and also the result of these games? Well, you, 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 hey, it's, the Chiefs had a better turnover ratio. They'd have a better record. There's no doubt because, uh, you know, up until last week in Tennessee, they had been, when, when they hadn't been turning it over, they'd been scoring points. I mean, uh, you know, they still were scoring points at a pretty high rate despite the turnovers. But last week in Tennessee, they couldn't, they, they turned it over three times, but they could have not turned it over at all, and they still wouldn't have won that game. So, uh, you know, the, that last week was kind of a, its own special deal. And, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs probably, they're not, they're not going anywhere without fixing this turnover problem. They're not good enough on defense to overcome. Yeah, basically, uh, I think it's 15 turnovers in the last five games. They're they're just not good enough on defense to overcome that. So the Chiefs are going to have to put up a big number every week in order to win a game. And last week they were held to a field goal, so clearly not good enough. So, um, you know, it's just one of those deals where they're going to have to figure this out if they're going to get serious about this season. Adam, there's no doubt that turnover ratio is the number one statistic that's going to swing a win or a loss either way. But we all know on the football field, the game starts in the trenches. And this Kansas City offensive line, which was totally rebuilt after they were embarrassed by Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl, just has not come together this year. Why do you suppose they're having so many problems? Well, that's a pretty long story. Um, you know, they've actually played well with the three interior positions. It's a tackle. They've had a little bit of a problem. They replaced their right tackle a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Mike Remmers will make his third start of the season at right tackle. Uh, they benched the other guy, Lucas Yang. Um, their left tackle, Orlando Brown, um, is still trying to establish himself as a left tackle. It's not going really well. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes hasn't helped things. He tends to drift in the pocket, and, and that's uh, caused some problems as well. So the Chiefs have a lot to figure out here. The coordination between the quarterback and the offensive line just hasn't been there. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy that the uh, opponents, are not, um, opponents aren't blitzing the Chiefs. They just, that's been a problem. Pat Mahomes has picked that apart over the years. The teams have quit blitzing the Chiefs. They're, um, the, the Chiefs had 44 dropbacks against Tennessee last week. The Tennessee blitzed one time, and yet the um, Titans got uh, pressure on 18 of those dropbacks. So that, that tells you a little bit about where things are for the Chiefs with their uh, with their pass protection. It's just not it's not syncing up right for the season. Teams are blitzing the Chiefs just 13 percent of the time but they're getting pressure 36% of the time. So things aren't adding up for the Chiefs that way, and uh, that, that's probably job one. They're going to have to figure that out on offense before they, uh, they're going to stop this, the, the turnover problem and uh, get this thing turned around. 
Adam, when we talk about the Chiefs offense, we always focus on the talent around Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill certainly have been delivering over the last few years. But if you're pointing out the fact that teams are not blitzing them, I'm curious your perspective as to the necessity of a third and fourth option, perhaps, developing and producing more consistently. Because I know a lot of people talked about McCall Hardman. Maybe this could be a breakout year. And then Byron Pringle, I think we've seen flashes, but I don't know necessarily if I would view him as a guy that's putting fear in opposing defenses. So how imperative is it if defenses are not going to be aggressive towards Mahomes that somebody not named Hill and Kelsey starts to step up more consistently? Yeah, that's uh, that is a big thing. The Chiefs are going to need that as well, and that's why they signed Josh Gordon a couple weeks ago. He hasn't played a lot yet; he's played some, but um, uh, it's not been a consistent thing for sure. And uh, you know, that's not that that's a surprise because he he got here so late in the middle of the season, so he's still figuring out exactly what to do. But um, that that was the idea behind Josh Gordon because none of the other receivers the Chiefs have have given uh, uh, the the uh, proved they can be a consistent number two receiver. So the hope for the Chiefs is that Gordon can be that guy. <clears throat> we'll see if he develops into it. Of course, Edwards Hilaire with the knee injury, that impacts the running game significantly. And when you consider their lead running back is out of the lineup and the offensive line hasn't necessarily done its job, I think that tells you why the ground attack has been sporadic at best. Yeah, they've been behind a lot. And they've, um, I, I think, as Andy Reid usually is, he's too quick. He's been too quick to give up on the running game. I mean, that can. Uh, you know that can be a quarterback's best friend. Uh, you know, particularly one who's not playing as well as he has before. So uh, I, I uh, think the Chiefs—that that's something that could help the Chiefs—is is being a little more patient with the run game. And Clyde Edwards won't play on Sunday, but um, I, I feel like uh, their other backs and Daryl Williams in particular are capable of doing what they would normally get from Edward Solaire. Um, Daryl Williams had a nice game a couple weeks ago in Washington. And um, it's sort of been a nice all-purpose back. You know, they don't Chiefs don't have to take him off the field. He can play short yardage, goal line, third downs, regular down and distance, whatever you want. He he's uh, he can handle that. So um, I, I feel like the Chiefs need to ride him a little more. That uh, um, he, he's capable of taking pressure off a, a struggling uh, an offensive line that's struggling to pass protect and a quarterback who's uh, had his problems of late. Adam, I'm interested that you mentioned him because I thought that McKinnon, over the earlier part of his career with Minnesota and San Francisco, had been a reliable target in the passing game out of the backfield, but that doesn't seem to be what Kansas City's doing with him. No, I mean, they're using him some, and, and uh, you know, he's, he's uh, when they've gotten him the ball, it's been more often this year as a receiver than uh, as a, you know, than as a runner, um, so... Uh, you know, there there is that, and you know he he plays a little bit of a role, but uh, and and again, it's more of as a receiver than as a runner, but um, you know, not a huge role. You know, they, he he was kind of the third back until Everett Hilaire got hurt. Um, he played uh, played some in Everett Hilaire's absence, but it's been mainly Darrell Williams, and um, I expect that to continue as long as Everett Hilaire is out. That it'll be more Williams than McKinnon. We're talking with Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN. Adam, we talked about the turnovers on offense, and when your offense keeps that up, it's a big problem when your defense can't get off the field. And this seems to be the combination right now for Kansas City. I know they've had Chris Jones, they've had Frank Clark in and out of the lineup. 
There's been obviously issues in terms of stopping the run, a lot of problems. But if you could best assess what exactly is plaguing this defense right now, what would you put your finger on? Well, I'll start off by saying that there is nothing this defense is doing consistently well, nothing. Um, There's not one thing they can take from week to week where they can say, okay, we're going to do this well and we know it so we can build around that. I mean, they're they're across the board been bad, whether whether it's red zone, third down, uh, rushing the quarterback, run defense, coverage down the field. I mean, everything's been bad. They've blown a lot of coverages. They've had trouble lining up on time in certain plays. I mean, it's just been a, um, it's been a, a, a just complete disaster on defense. Um, having said that, if there's one thing that the Chiefs have to fix, I, I can't see them improving significantly on defense without this. That's improving their pass rush. They are uh, tied for last in the league with only eight sacks. They are right near the bottom in pass rush win rate, um, about 35%. Um, this has to get better. You know, it, it, I don't see the Chiefs get going anywhere with this defense unless they can put more heat on the quarterback. But it's just been um, totally ineffective uh, as a um, uh, as, as a group. Uh, they're, they're just inability to do that has really killed the Chiefs. They've given up a lot of third and longs because they just can't get pressure on the quarterback. It's uh, um, they, they've played against a series of good quarterbacks and. Uh, Guys have been beating them because the Chiefs aren't um, aren't uh, getting them off his spot. They aren't affecting him at all. And so, you know, the Chiefs have paid a lot of money to Frank Clark and to Chris Jones to rush the quarterback, and between the two of them, they have uh, two sacks all season long. Clark has none. And both of them have missed some time because of injuries, so it's not like they've been in the lineup every week. But still, the Chiefs are expecting more from both those guys and from some of their complementary players, too, and it just hasn't been there. They, they've just been totally ineffective with the pass rush. And I, I, I gave you the numbers earlier. Last in the league in sacks, one of the last lowest teams in pass rush win rate. And even at that, that doesn't tell you how ineffective they've been. They've just been uh, uh, totally uh, stoned, basically, on a lot of pass attempts. Well, you know, the worst part about that, Adam, it's not just that they're ineffective getting after the quarterback, but Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator who we have so much respect for, I don't know a person in football who doesn't love this guy and marvel at his defensive creativity. I remember with the 2017 Giants, all right, they had Vernon and Pierre Paul, and they still only had 27 sacks that year, and that defense got shredded to the tune of a team that finished 3-13. and and they gave up a lot of leads in the fourth quarter simply because no matter how creative he was, they couldn't get to the quarterback. The Chiefs this year are blitzing over 30% of the time, top six in the league in blitz percentage, and they still can't get home, which means your secondary is going to be left out to dry. I don't know what Spags can do. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. It's it's, uh, not all on him. I I, I think he's the... you know, got a hand in this, but um, it, it, there's a lot of guys just not playing well. And, uh, you know, last week in Tennessee, the game plan was to um, stop Derrick Henry. Don't let Derrick Henry beat you. And that's uh, what the Chiefs did. I mean, they, they stopped Derrick Henry, 29 carries, 86 yards, less than three yards a carry. But um, that didn't matter. The Chiefs could not pressure Ryan Tannehill, a high-quality NFL quarterback, 
and uh, he, he he basically had time whenever he wanted. He he just sat back there and 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 could pick and choose what he wanted to do, and he put the ball right on the money. And and uh, you know the Chiefs were unable to cover one on one. That was sort of you know they they carried out Spagnolo's. Um, uh, his game plan, they played it like they were supposed to. I mean, they they stopped Derrick Henry, but they couldn't get the rest of it done. And I guess that's my point about the Chiefs defensively. They're not good enough to stop everything opponent brings. They, they've uh, got so much weakness, they can maybe say, hey, listen, listen this week, this is what we're going to prevent. But um, it, it's it's a, a hope and a prayer with all the other stuff that, that a team might bring. So, uh you know, depending on what the Giants bring on Sunday, uh, Monday night, uh, you know, the, the, the Chiefs did have success in one game against one opponent defensively, and it was against Washington with a backup quarterback a couple weeks ago. Uh, other than that, it's been uh, a, a, a total mess for the Chiefs when they've uh, run up against a, a team with a quality quarterback and uh, some quality weapons. Adam, before we let you go, whenever there is a trip to Kansas City for any team, we have to bring up the atmosphere of Arrowhead Stadium. I was actually reading the Chiefs had never lost three straight home games with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. They're on a two-game skid at home this year, and a lot of that contributes to a lot of the factors we talked about. Given the fact that this team's been on the road the last two weeks, what are you expecting on Monday night in terms of how much the home crowd it may play a significant role given how much they're itching for a W at home? Well, if um, you know if the Chiefs play decently, at least to start the game, um, you know the crowd will be into it, and they, you know, the Chiefs will get some boost from that, I'm sure. But uh, hey, there's a lot of frustrated fans that did not uh, expect this or sign up for this. So uh, if things go badly, uh, you know we've seen some boos at Arrowhead this year, and uh, I, I would expect that the crowd would would turn on the Chiefs if things don't go their way. And I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know, Arrowhead is can be a, a home field advantage for the Chiefs, but you know, under Andy Reid, the Chiefs have been—I would argue—they've been a better team on the road for whatever reason than they have at home. Um, their record might not be as good on the road as at home, but it's probably pretty close. And for whatever reason, I just think the Chiefs have been a better road game. I can't uh, road team. I can't put my finger on it. But over the years, at least since Andy Reid's been here, that's been the case. So uh, again, not that Arrowhead can't be an intimidating place for opponents, but uh, um, it's not. Uh, it, it's not been a place where opponents haven't uh, done well either. Adam, I don't want to overlook special teams because if I do, Jeff Fiegels will never forgive me. Hartman and Pringle are doing a great job on kickoff and punt returns. We know about Butker. Uh, Townsend's a terrific punter. It seems to me that that's the one unit that the Chiefs don't have to polish up at all. They've been playing very well. Coverage units have also been good. Yeah, they've done a very good job. But, uh, you know, the problem is they're not uh, – they're not... <laughs> They're turning it over so much they don't punt much, you know. And, and uh, so, it, seriously, I mean, I, you know, you look at the Chiefs; they've hardly punted at all this year. And uh, uh, they had a game uh, against Philly a couple weeks ago where neither team punted. You know, that's how bad the defense was in that game. How much the offense is dominated. So, uh, Chiefs scored a touchdown on every one of their possessions. Not just they didn't just score; they scored a touchdown on every one of the possessions except the ones that ended in turnovers. That's kind of where the Chiefs are this year. So, uh, yeah, the Chiefs have done a nice job at times on special teams, but it hasn't made much of a difference. They, uh, they're they so weak in some of the other areas that um, it's just uh, it's rendered, they're, they're, it's kind of a moot point there. 
He is Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs for ESPN. Adam, looking forward to the Monday night game. Greatly appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks so much. Thanks, Adam. Hey, good stuff, guys. That's Adam Teicher from ESPN. Again, covers the Chiefs. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated or at greater risk from COVID-19, protect yourself, get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Taking all the action to Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants right here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giant suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Our final interview is with the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge, who spoke to Bob Papa. As always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York Giants, Joe Judge, tonight here in Kansas City, taking on the Chiefs team, a talented team, a team I know you have a lot of respect for with them having gone to the last two Super Bowls. Uh, they've struggled a little bit this year, but they're still dangerous, obviously. Uh, when you watch Mahomes and, and look at them, what they do offensively, what are some of the do's and don'ts that you have to adhere to in this game? Well, I think you start off number one with you, you can't get beat deep. And that's something they do every game. They find a way to get a guy behind a safety or over a corner. You've got to be very conscious on every play not to get beat deep because it could be a short pattern that turns into a scramble and they extend it going vertically down the field or they're going to take their shots calculate throughout the game. But you talk about the first thing is you can't get beat deep. And then number two, you got to play with good discipline and play through the duration of the play. And there's going to be a lot of loose plays and scrambles. It's just how this guy plays, extremely talented. And you've got to play the entire play through. You can't assume it's over because a receiver throttles or shuts it down because all of a sudden they'll turn it right back on when they realize the play's going themselves. Coach, they've lost two in a row at home, which is uh, foreign territory for them. Primetime game. Uh, talk about like the first five to seven minutes of this game and really just trying to make sure you get it stabilized and then sort of drag it out a little bit? Well, first off, we expect their best football. We expect everybody's best football, but we definitely expect their best football. And look, I've been in there a couple times on different teams. You play these guys at night, specifically on Monday night, they're going to be out there juiced and ready to go. When the lights come on, these guys play their best. They're very, very talented. It's a very prideful group as well. So they're very conscious of what the outside world's saying. They'll come out, you know, ready to roll as a team. When you go out there in these situations, you've got to go ahead and just function throughout the week to prepare for what you're going to see in the game. And whether that's the noise or the elements, we've been fortunate this week to have some wind and some rain, things that help us prepare. But in terms of the first few minutes, you've got to let the adrenaline settle down. And you've got to make sure that you don't do anything to hurt yourself schematically by having a miscommunication or a busted assignment. So you've got to take the adrenaline out of it a little bit. And then as the game goes on with this team, you've got to, just got to go in and understand it's always a 60-minute game. With these guys, it doesn't matter if you're at three scores. That's three plays away from tying you. These guys are a very good team. It's going to be a 60-minute game regardless. So we've been preparing our guys all week to go in there with that mindset of whatever it takes. we got to grind this thing out. It's going to take every bit of 60 minutes or more if we need. Coach, uh, Mahomes can make a lot of off-schedule plays. Um, talk about the discipline that your back end needs to play with in this football game when he, de when he does break contain because he's going to throw it from any angle. So it starts really up front before you even get to the back end. So the, the rush lanes are critical to make sure you can contain and keep them in the pocket. It's easier said than done. But when he escapes, you've got to make sure that, you know, you can go ahead and lose that ground again to recapture him, get him back inside where your help's coming from. It's important not to run by the passer on the edge. It's important not to open up the internal lanes where he pulls the ball down a lot and just runs vertically up the field. But then it ties into the back end in terms of just vision on your man and understanding that you've got to look at your man down the field and play through your man. His eyes and his hands come up to tell you when the ball is coming. But if you get in the habit of looking at your man, turn around, swinging your head, and peeking where the quarterback's at, that's when they counter back and they make a lot of plays and guys lose the receivers late down the field. You just have to have discipline to know who you're covering. Rushers rush, cover guys cover. 
Other side of the ball, um, you're going to have Sterling Shepard back in the lineup. You hope to have had him last week. You didn't, but you still put 25 points up on the board last week. Just talk about having him back and what you've seen out of your offense as far as the growth, considering the fact that you've had to play a lot of people up front. Well, I think the moving parts we've had offensively between the you know bigs and the skill players has been encouraging because we're developing a large part of the team and bringing guys along. You know, to be able to go out there last week and have production for a lot of different guys, that was important for us. Having Sterling back in the lineup this week obviously adds an element to the game that, you know, he brings a lot of juice and experience and playmaking. We've got to make sure we facilitate and get the ball in his direction and let him go ahead and make plays. That being said, it's going to take more than one person. Everyone's got to step up and make plays. We've got to make sure we catch the ball, secure it, and we've got to get vertical and make plays in space. And that was something we did last week to extend some plays and gain some yards. We have to be able to do that tonight and go out there and extend drives by converting on third down, finishing in the right area, but taking our opportunities for shots when they come our way. Yeah, and Daniel Jones played with a lot of poise last week. You know, everyone talks about the catch that he made and all that other stuff, but it was a play before that where he uses time with his legs, gets out in space, and then dumps it off to Booker, and you wind up getting a really positive play. Is that some of the growth that you've seen in him as a player, just understanding all that and then making a big play happen by doing – a smart thing? Yeah, absolutely. And we talk to our guys all the time, and specifically to Daniel, about, hey, take the profit. Take what the defense has given to you. We don't have to force a play. We don't have to force it down the field all the time. We've got good runners with the ball underneath with the backs, the tight ends in certain situations. Just take the profit. When they give you something, go ahead and take it. And he did a good job on that play of extending out the play. It was a third down, a longer situation. He recognized that Book slipped off, was open, just gave, went ahead and gave him the ball, let Book make a play with his legs. And there's other times as well, he's made some of the best plays he's made this year were throwaways to avoid sacks, put us in a long yard situation, or when he's decided to pull the ball down and just take the quick profit for a couple yards and put us in a better situation ahead of the sticks. So with the quarterbacks about facilitating the offense and the decisions you make aren't always the ones you recognize on a stat sheet. A lot of times it's the ones you make that keeps your team out of a bad situation. Final question. Um, you're going against Andy Reid, who's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, you've competed against him uh, many times before. You probably were still in high school when he was first named head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, the area that you grew up in. Just give us a, a sentence or two on what your feelings are toward Andy Reid. Well, I was in high school when he first became the head coach of the Eagles, and um, a lot of respect Man, for him. you're a young guy. Well, <laughs> I, have a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for how he is as a coach, but even more so as a person, and uh, the way he handles his team, prepares his team. You know, this team's one of the best in the league every year, not by accident, but by how he's assembled the players around it with a very uh, great amount of talent, but also that fit what he wants to do schematically on all three sides of the ball. You know, I think when you talk about Andy as a coach, this is the best offensive coordinator in the world. And Biennemi is the offense coordinator. I got you on that. And he does a great job. He really does. And he, him and Andy work together on this. But when I think about Andy specifically, it's this guy does a better job of, I think, anybody else in the world of identifying what you're in, figuring out your game plan, and making adjustments. And when you play the Chiefs or any team that's Andy Reid, you have to understand that there's going to be a game plan in the first half that's going to emerge, and then there's going to be the adjustments that come in towards the middle of the second quarter and through the second half, that they're going to find what you're doing, and they're going to make adjustments that are going to put you in a position that you have to adjust as well. So you've got to anticipate some of his answers, and that comes really through studying people in the past of what they've done through different things, man or zone, blitz, pressure, drop for coverage, whatever it may be. How's his answers been in the past? And when you study people enough, you figure out that there's tendencies in terms of what they go to in their comfort zone, but it's always unique to who you have available and how they're trying to match up your personnel. So you have to identify 
how he's mismatched people in the past and maybe you know replicate some of the skill sets of your players or scheme-wise what you're doing. But you just know that he's going to be very, very inventive. He's going to pull some kind of wrinkle out that you have not seen. There's going to be several things, especially in the red area, that there's no way of finding it on tape because they've never ran it before. And it may be a familiar scheme that looks completely different when you initially see it. And you've got to be ready to go out there and play with your eyes, play your keys, play with good, you know, just concepts and make the play. But in terms of, you know, Coach Reed, you know, I think everyone in the league has a tremendous amount of respect for him and what he's done as a coach, what he's done for the players, and what he's done for the game of football. Coach, we appreciate a couple of minutes. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Uh, the Joe Judge interview is brought to you by Hackensack Meridian Health. Keep getting better. More of Bud Light Giants game day after this time out on the WFAN Giants radio network, driven by the Hess Toy Truck. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him and all of our guests for joining us on the Chiefs preview edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. The Giants and Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Enjoy the game, everybody. We will see you on Monday for another Big Blue kickoff live at 1230. Then, of course, we have a reaction to the Giants-Chiefs game on Monday night with Madeline Burke and Sean O'Hara. I'm John Schmelk. We'll talk to you on Monday on the Giants Podcast Network.